Amy Ingerbretson here, professional skier, dog mom, cat lover, podcaster, and your host for Warren Miller Entertainment's Long Underwear. In this podcast, we are sitting down with world-class athletes and industry legends. Nothing is off limits except for one rule. After introductions, there are no more mentions of skiing or snowboarding allowed. We are stripping off the layers and getting to know the skiers and riders underneath the gear. Welcome to Long Underwear. Winter vacation is calling. The Icon Pass unlocks powder playdates, breathtaking views, and unique mountain adventures across the world. It's not too late to have the ultimate winter vacation. Drop in now. Last chance to buy is December 12th. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Long Underwear. I'm Amy Ingerbetson, of course, and today on the podcast, I am lucky to be joined by Michelle Parker. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here yeah. with you. Yeah. No, I'm, so, I'm very excited that you're here. And uh, where are we right now? We are at my home in Lake Tahoe. It's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, it's nice to catch you when we're both home. Yeah. Um, amazingly, even though we both live here, I feel like we never see each other here in Tahoe. No, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> we see each other other places. But. Yep. Um, yeah, well, I guess we'll just kick it off with a little bit about your Warren Miller experience. You've been in one film or two films? I know you went to Greenland, right? Yep, I went to Greenland with them, and then we had one year where we got to shoot all in Lake Tahoe at Squaw Valley yeah. with two of my best friends, Timmy Dutton and JT Holmes, and that was, like, the highlight segment that I got to film with them for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I remember that segment. It was super fun. Yeah. You guys just, it was a really good winter, too. It was an insane winter, and we just got to stay home and shred squaw together yeah. and it was like yeah you and your two best friends just cruising around couldn't get much better than that that's awesome that's awesome I'm jealous of that and then Greenland was just like a it was Abma and Ted yeah Ligety, right? Abma and Ted Ligety that was more of a destination trip a place that I've never been back since but it was definitely a highlight trip of my entire career for really sure. yeah just like a unique location a totally different culture I love those like cultural experiences oftentimes when we travel as skiers you go to these like really nice resorts and it's like really high class and and uh Greenland was amazing for so many other reasons that yeah, yeah it was a special one yeah, I was in Iceland last year, and I really wanted to go to Greenland. And on the way home, we flew over Greenland, and I was just, like, plastered to the airplane window, like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, totally. But it's also remote in a big expedition, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but also right now, so you're doing your own project right now, originally. Yep. And so, like, I just want to kind of know, what, we're not supposed to talk about skiing for very long in this podcast, but I kind of want to know the difference of, like, being part of your own project, like your personal project versus being part of the bigger films that you've been a part of, whether it's been the, the MSP movies or whatever, all these bigger projects you've done over the course of your career. Yeah, I guess I had been filming with the likes of Matchstick for, gosh, maybe like 10 years or so before I decided to move into my own space. And for me, it was more about taking ownership about what I was producing. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't think, I think the biggest difference for me was like really how much work it was on yeah. the back end like initially I was like okay cool I'm, I'm the athlete and we're gonna do this and it's epic and then all of a sudden I was like whoa I actually have to like produce this thing and like help with the direction and everything like that and so it was a lot more responsibility and I'm two years deep now the first year I was totally overwhelmed they right. like handed me the torch and they were like run with it and I was like I don't know how to be a good leader and truth be told, it was me and a bunch of guys, as it is always. Right. But um, I was intimidated, and it was a lot, and it was quite stressful. But I worked through it, and I was really proud of what we produced the first year. Yeah. And it was amazing. The second year going into it, I felt like I had total ownership over myself. My confidence was there. I understood how to be a good team leader and how it all worked. And so this year, it was like 
really fun. And yeah. I think my skiing oh, reflected that. Yeah, I just learned a ton. And overall, what I'd take away from it was that it was, like, incredibly empowering yeah. to own that space and to work through it. And, like, it was a risk. It made me feel really vulnerable. But I'm really psyched on where it's come. And ultimately, it's given me my own platform and an, an ability to bring people in and help promote, Make those like— decisions. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's been a really special experience. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I mean, I was psyched when I saw season two as— in the works last winter, and um, I like it so far. I yeah. guess when people are hearing this, it'll be pretty far into it. But, um, yeah, I, it's just like learning a new skill, I guess. I've yeah. always loved producing, so, like— Totally. I've loved— I love boss pe- bossing people around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and for me, it's been, like, I don't know, skiing is, like, you get what you put in, and our jobs are really unique and that you can go down so many different avenues, and that's what I've loved about it. And a common question that people ask are, like, where do you see yourself in five years? And I'm like, who knows? Yeah. The world is, like— you know, every opportunity you can take it and you can run with it. You can create a podcast. You can make your own production company. You can do whatever it is. So skiing's yeah. given you, given me the wings to feel like I can do that. And yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. It's awesome. Well, um, let's just not talk about skiing anymore. I've heard about this, the S word. The S word. Let's just not say the S word anymore. It. That's if hard. If you say it, you owe me cookies. If it's I say it, you owe me thing. cookies. Um, wildflowers down the road will yeah, be open. Yeah, wildflower cookies. Soon. So uh, that's how we can square this away. But uh, are you ready? No ski? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wait, can I have one last? Skiing, skiing, skiing. Okay. No, I'm good. <laughs> Got it out of my system. All right. Awesome. Okay. So I want to know, to me, when I look at you as like a person, something I admire about you that I haven't made time for in my life is it seems like you have quite a bit of hobbies for someone who travels so much and is so busy. Like you seem to have like a lot of hobbies. So I want to know, like I have from outside what I think your top hobbies are, but I want to know what your like top hobbies are. I guess my interests outside of the word S um, would definitely the top two that come to mind are climbing and mountain biking. Mm -hmm. Um, And beyond that, without the athletic pursuit, would be photography and cooking and learning and music, playing music, all these types of things. Yeah, that's kind of what I was guessing. I was going to start with like the non-athletic stuff. Yeah. Um, And just like your, definitely your exploration into music. Like you've gotten, I don't know if you've always been super into music or if it's been like a newer thing, but like. You went on, like, to, like, a singing camp with Angel Collinson? Like, what does that even mean? I've, like, never gotten to, like, ask you what that even looks like. Yeah, I guess for me, these hobbies are, like, tapping into myself and being able to express myself creatively in other ways. And music really came to me through an injury. And I picked up the ukulele because it's a really happy instrument. You yeah. can't play that thing and make a sad and song. Sad. Like, yeah, basically. <laughs> I've never thought about that. Yeah, and it's super easy to travel with. And I was like, I'll start here. There's only four strings. Like, I honestly thought I had zero musical talent. My brother right. was always the musical one. And then once I started admitting to myself that, no, I can sing, I can, like, play this instrument and allowing myself to, like, believe that, I guess, that's when it changed for me. Yeah. And then I kind of dove in. Yeah, I was injured. I was with Angel. We were going through recovery. And I was like, hey, do you want to go to the singing retreat? Like, we can't go to a yoga retreat or any of these other things, but you want to go to a singing camp? And she was like, yeah, totally. And she has an amazing voice. Yeah. So we went there and that was like a pretty fun way to get to know each other really That's quick. So yeah. That's so rad. I've been trying to learn the guitar for the last like, wow, I've got like five chords, but I've like never considered myself musical either. Yeah. Just accept it. Yeah. Just call yourself know. musical. That's part of self-talk. I was like. in musical theater when I was in high school and I used to go to vocal classes. Yeah. You've got it. 
but I don't know. It just feels really far away. I have a lot of people in my life that are super good musicians, like my dad and my uncle and all my roommates. You've got boyfriend, it. Boyfriend. So yeah. <laughs> I just I have like a little nylon string guitar that I play when we're jamming and I just like then nobody can hear me if I mess up, but like I'm part of it. I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. I just like tap rhythm if I don't know the chords. Yeah. Well, but I think for the ukulele, I should try that. Totally. That's been a good intro to the guitar. I've been playing the guitar more. My boyfriend's been playing since he was five. His yeah, name's he's Aaron. amazing. Yeah, he's incredible. And that's like part of our relationship that I really love. Like those moments where we get to sit on the couch and play music and harmonize together is like pretty magical. Yeah, sounds like a fantasy world. Yeah. All right, I'll try. I'll try to get better. I got. I recently got a speech from my one of my best friends about. I was complaining about not having enough time to have hobbies. She's like, "You sound ridiculous. Like you have time for what you make time for. Exactly. So like if it's a priority. Yeah. If um, it's a priority, then you can do it. Right." And for me, it's like, okay, I mean, often what people don't see outside of our job is like, we spend so much time on the computer planning stuff and whatever that may be. And if I have five minutes to play one song through, it like refreshes me in my day. Yeah. Um, So another like hobby I feel like you must have just because we're sitting in your beautiful house is like DIY. Yeah. Modeling. Your house is gorgeous. It has all this really cool, intricate, like interesting woodwork. And I know you were super involved in like basically remodeling your whole house. Um, and that's like a funny, like common hobby. I think a lot of athletes have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like going through your house, what do you think? Did you have like a favorite part of remodeling? And then like, what was like the worst part of remodeling it? Um, I'd say the worst part was, and it was kind of a blessing. It was also an injury that spurred me right. to be like, I'm going to remodel my house. So I was like walking around with crutches, climbing on <laughs> ladders, like trying to do the whole thing. But um, it, I, like I worked with my really close friend, Scotty Smith, who also did Crispin Shetler's van, yeah, yeah. Um, which is absolutely stunning. So he came to my house before and most of what you're seeing is all recycled wood. Um, we That's basically awesome. like our neighbors had a fence they were taking down. And then there was this other stack of wood that I found on the side of the road. And we kind of just reused it. The whole place was wrapped in cedar and we took that and cut it down and made it shingles on the exterior of the house so it was really fun process and I started looking at it as like one massive art project yeah and it took a long time and a lot of hard work but um Scotty did most of it I did everything that didn't involve talent and kind of like (laughs) helped direct him but I learned a ton and it was yeah ultimately it was like the best part was um is getting to enjoy it right now and share it with people I love it so much it's beautiful I've been like wanting to come over and see it in real life so yeah I invented this podcast so I could come to your house (laughs) um okay another hobby I feel like you're pretty into because I see it on your Instagram is like you and Erin seem to like just make the best meals like you guys cook a lot yeah and so what was the most recent like awesome meal you made Gosh. Um, Even though I know you've been traveling, you probably haven't cooked in a while. But Yeah. Erin actually has been making some pretty incredible breakfasts. But uh, one of my signature breakfasts would be like sweet potato toast. So you just cut the sweet potato lengthwise and bake it or roast it in the Do oven. Do you take the skin off? Um, yeah, you can. Or, or leave it on. Yeah, whatever you prefer. I usually take it off. Um, and then, yeah, you bake it and then you do a poached egg and some guacamole on top of that. And it's kind of like this meat-free breakfast that's really, really good and satisfying. Sweet potato toast. Yeah, but the guacamole, you got to step it up a little bit. Like, Do you make homemade or do you get like... Homemade, yeah, for yeah. sure. Everything homemade. But I usually put like, um, you know, I saute some onions and garlic and then yeah. throw it in there and some spices and stuff like that. But that's a good one. I like it. I'll have to try that. Mm-hmm. Egg poaching is intimidating, but I can work on it. Oh, I could teach you. It's so easy. <laughs> really? I mean, yeah. I, that's what everyone says. It's just like you have to just get the right. I'll work on it. Yeah. <laughs> I can always just do a sunny side up egg for now. Um, okay, so then you brought up mountain biking, which is another thing I want to talk to you about. Because So we 
like when you first started mountain biking, like we went on like one of your first rides together. We mm-hmm. biked up Scott's Peak at Alpine, and that that ride is like what pretty long. What did we long. do the night before? Did, were we hungover? Was yes. that yeah? I remember being hungover. <laughs> I remember hating it. So maybe yeah. that's why. <laughs> that's why. I think we yeah. It's also like kind of a like little bit of a bitch of a climb, and it's like super techy at the top. And I just remember like we were like on the same level, like kind of like struggling and walking a bit, and like. That was, what, like four years ago? And now you're, like, a pro mountain biker. Like, how did you get so much better so fast? I'm exactly the same, by the way. <laughs> yes. I still, like, walk through. Oh, no, you're fits. not. You're way better. <laughs> I guess we got to bike last week and yeah, two weeks ago in, in Moab. Moab. That was fun. But, yeah, you just had, like, extreme progression, I feel like, on your bike. Like, how have you— I think things just started to click, and yeah. I started riding so much, and it became, like, quite an obsession. Like, mm-hmm. I love my bike. I think about it all the time. And Aaron, that's kind of, like, His what brings us together um, in the mountains is we love to bike. And so he's an amazing biker. He has, like, all these trial skills and stuff, and I was always like, well, he, like, he can hold a wheelie for so long. Um, but, yeah, I think, like, riding with him has really helped me. And then we kind of, like, whenever I have a business trip, we'll fly with our bikes and ride different trails and, like, exposure to new trails. trails. Has been yeah. really helpful, I think. Totally. But I just like am obsessed with it. Yeah. Like straight up, it might be I my mean, favorite. I love my bike. I'm on it a few times a week, but like I just seem to like cruise right where I'm at. And I'm always like, damn, like you like posted something this summer, you like did this like fairly big jump. And I was like, uh, wow. Like <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, things just started to click and it honestly started to feel Do like you the S word. In clipless. Do you I learned flats. In, you go flat. I you, I learned clip with clips, and then after knee injuries, just that motion, yeah. I kind of learned how to ride with flats. And yeah. now I dabble a little bit with clipped in, but um, I just feel super comfortable with flats. I've, I know it's not efficient going uphill, but I'm like. I've been told to get on flat pedals for a while to progress a bit, yeah. and then go back to clips. But I like the clips for like the I for me mountain biking is like the workout. Like in skiing, I would totally. never say I like the up more than the down, but in mountain biking, like I kind of. I like them way. both. Yeah, that's the like beauty to of crush it. Totally. And like just get a great workout and yep. then just take my time on the downhills. I'll put the clips in and go for like a solo ride and do that. When I'm riding with other people, I tend to just yeah. put my flats on and enjoy it and like yeah. The downhill is so fun. Pedals maybe. Well, it's almost over. Well, hopefully by the time people are hearing this, mountain biking season is well over. Yeah. Next summer let's ride. Yeah. Cuz we did get to ride Moab and it was super fun following you. Yeah. Um who would be your favorite non-snow athlete out there in the ether? Um, I would say my first like huge athletic inspiration would be Mia Hamm, actually. Mm. And then furthermore down the road, that would be Lynn, uh, Lynn Hill. Oh, yeah. um, before I even got into climbing, I read her book and my friend brought me like a signed poster from her and she became an <laughs> idol. Actually, like my biggest fan out moment in my life was with her, which really? was hilarious. Oh my gosh, Where it was recently. So this was like within the last two years, she came and gave a talk with Album Glow um, in Squaw for their speaker series. And I like listened to the talk. And obviously one of my best friends is Emily Harrington, who knows her really well. Yeah. And we, I like stood in line with my mom and dad to get a poster <laughs> sign. I felt like I was 12 and I'm like, I'm 30 right now, but this is chill. And as we got closer, like my face turned red. I was like shaking. I like couldn't speak. Stop and it. then like I got to the front of the line and was asking for her poster and like literally couldn't speak my mom and dad are by my side and like all my friends are like out of Lynn's view but they're looking at me like what is wrong with you <laughs> and then Emily came over to like help out a little bit because I was like can I hear poster like wasn't gonna say anything I didn't yeah. know what to say that was pretty classic that's awesome that's yeah. hilarious that's like sounds like exactly like probably all the little kids that like wait with their mom and dad to get posters from you yeah I can relate <laughs> right right 
Um, okay, so on the podcast lately, we've been doing a POW question, a Protect Our Winners question. And since, like, you've been an ambassador with them for a long time, I see maybe ask you, like, a little bit more in-depth questions. Are you cool with that? Yeah, go for it. Sweet. Um, so, yeah, you've been an ambassador with POW for years. And I just kind of in a general way, like, how do you personally, Michelle, like, advocate for the places and the sports that you love? Yeah, so POW has given me an amazing roadmap to understand that a lot more. And their approach to the whole protect our winners basically has changed over the years and they've become very specific about like the targets that they can have a big effect on. And, you know, two years ago that became local government. So I attended town council meetings and Truckee, man, that was like also a nervous time. I felt really unqualified and super vulnerable, but I showed up, we gave speeches and we got Truckee to pass renewable by 2050. Um, We were pushing for an earlier date, but we got that across. Mm -hmm. And so we saw success in those local governments. And then furthermore, have been to Washington, D.C. with them and sat down with a number of senators and congressmen and, you know, sat in on the bipartisan climate caucus solutions um, team, which consisted of Republicans and Democrats. And um, all of that experience has been absolutely amazing and has made me feel more and more comfortable, like picking up the phone and calling my representatives and voicing my opinion. And essentially, the way that I sum it up really quickly is POW's asking you to be, like, participate in society and to be a really good individual and stand up for what you believe in. And that's become really fun. Like, it's vulnerable and it feels, like, kind of crazy and scary at times, but um, it's been really fun and it's been a challenge that is is awesome to be a part of. Yeah, I've I've recently tried to be getting more involved with POW. And I remember feeling really intimidated, not qualified. Like I didn't have the knowledge base. I'm not a scholarly person, like all these things. And kind of, yeah, what I took away is like all, just be a member of your community. Yeah. And if your community is the lover of the outdoors, you know, participate in that and be just a member of humanity kind of. Like you don't have to be some politician to like, Raise your voice, basically. Yeah, nor do you have to be perfect. I think that's one thing yeah. that we face a lot as POW ambassadors is people calling us hypocrites. Mm-hmm. And believe me, I feel it heavily. Mm-hmm. And I am the harshest on myself. And my job requires me to travel. If I didn't travel, I'd become a regional athlete and I would become far less useful than I am now as a global athlete. So taking that into consideration, like I understand that our job relies on fossil fuels, But me going heli skiing two days last year where helis are really efficient vehicles and we are, you know, we're not flying around and toying around. It's not about like having fun and games. It's doing our job. Mm -hmm. And that's like such a small drop in the bucket as in comparison to showing up on Capitol Hill and trying to change policy. If we can shut down coal powered plants or whatever, that's a huge drop in the bucket in comparison. So we're not perfect, but we can also still use our voice and stand up and be productive in that space, which I think society is not going to be perfect on the journey to renewable energy side. And like, we're going to have to spend fossil fuels to get renewable energies in place. And yeah, I don't think we're, we're asking anybody to stop enjoying the things that they enjoy. And if you're lucky enough to be one of those people to heli ski, like still heli ski and just hope, do what you can to hope that in the future we can have alternatives to fossil fuel to absolutely fuel those adventures. Yeah. But I guess I, it's kind of second part of that question. You've kind of already answered, but just talk, talking more to like the intimidation factor of like becoming a climate advocate. Cause like, that seems like such a crazy word. Like, what do you think is like the most important thing that someone could do to start being their own like climate advocate and and, and kind of like pulling that word back away from being so scary, like being. Totally. I think a perfect way to do that is to go to protect our winners and sign up and become a member and they'll supply you with a roadmap. 
of each step you need to take. Yeah. And it's pretty self-explanatory. It is. And for sure it feels vulnerable and scary, but it is like, that's a beautiful part of being human and growing and like it's character building. And, you know, we, we all make mistakes, but we're learning. And um, yeah, so join Protect Our Winners yeah. for sure. They have such amazing tools. Their voter guidebook, um, they, they make it really easy to reach out to your representatives. They keep you informed. Yeah, you can volunteer. You can show up at different film festivals or whatever that may be. Yeah. And they're very calculated now and understanding of swing states and these targeted places where we can go and have a good effect. Yeah, totally. I was just in D.C. with them this fall and it was an amazing experience. I just went from being like intimidated and unsure and like not understanding government and 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 then you go to Capitol Hill and you meet these politicians you're like you're just a person. Yeah. I'm just a person. Mm -hmm. What can we identify? We love the outdoors. Yeah. Okay, let's like do something positive. Yeah. I really liked it at this year's Protect Our Winners Summit. Um, they had a politician there who was talking about politics. And he was like, politics, the definition of it is when you make a decision with three or more people. It's not that intimidating. We yeah. do it every single day. It just has this word that has that effect that yeah. is intimidating. But it's really as simple as making a decision. Yeah. He and you can be a part of that decision, and that's really exciting. Well, that's what he also said. Like, he, the same politician had this line about um, politicians, as people, we're loaning them our power to, like, have the things happen in the world that we want. So we have to let them know what we want to happen because they are using our power out there in the government. Yeah, exactly. Funny side story about Capitol Hill. So you have to dress nice when mm -hmm, you go to Capitol mm -hmm. Hill. And uh, so I wore a khaki pencil skirt. <laughs> Because I'm like, this is what you wear in this situation. I don't know. I don't ever go to business yeah. affairs. Um, so I had this, like, skirt from, like, my college internship. I can internship. see you analyzing this. Like, I was like, am what I am I going to wear? Todd, help. And Todd's like, I'm not helping. <laughs> um, and so I wear this khaki pencil skirt that was tight because I rammed my big skier butt in there. And uh, it happened to be, like, 95 degrees that day. Oh, God. And then we happened to walk, like, a mile to oh, yeah. get from our hotel to Capitol Hill. And Did you have heels on? No. I wore flats. I was sensible. I got the worst butt sweat. Oh no. So I had two huge, like literally big palm sized butt sweat marks <laughs> on the bottom of each of my butt cheeks, like going into like this congregant's office. I'm like scooching around the wall, like trying to keep my bum away from everybody. And they're like, do you want to sit down? I'm like, no. I'll mm -mm. stand here against no, the wall. No, no, Sorry. <laughs> I felt like I was going to the first day of school and I had peed my pants. Oh my gosh. So no khaki pencil skirts for me. Yeah. Copy again. that. Black. <laughs> yeah. I wore black. <laughs> Nightmare. Okay. That was embarrassing. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. Um, Michelle, if you had a superpower, what would it be? Oh my gosh. I think it would be, whew, haven't thought about this in a while. Honestly, just to like make people laugh in an instant. I think that'd be epic. I feel like you're already almost there. You're pretty funny. <laughs> Thanks. I like that. I feel like just laughter to, like, is the bring, common, the common like. To bring thing. instant joy to people. Yeah. I like that. Everybody needs more joy. Yeah. Every single person. I do too sometimes. I do a lot of times. Mm -hmm. I listened to a podcast recently about laughter and about like how laughter can like take over and like make people like kind of go out of control and just listening to this podcast, listening to people laugh. Did like, it make I you I was laugh? laughing. Exactly. And like they were just talking about all like the brain science. It's like how, how a yawn is contagious. Is. Laughter is. is contagious. And sometimes you don't even know what you're laughing at, but you're just laughing like uncontrollably. Mm -hmm. I like it. I like people with great laughs. I snort when I laugh. So that's, Ooh, that's a great laugh. Embarrassing. No, that makes me laugh but harder. But like, it's not like consistent. It just catches me off guard. I have a really loud laugh. Yeah. Like one time you I was You start with... off with like a loud, like, ha. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. the first moment of your laugh is really. <laughs> one time my brother was like, yo, could you like quiet? And I was like, that's just my laugh, man. Yeah. <laughs> 
I like it. Good laugh. Um, what would you say is your most irrational fear? So it can't be like a fear of something that like it's okay. To, it's normal to be scared about. Like snakes, for example. Spiders. Oh, is that Spider- irrational? I don't know. How scared are you of spiders? Like pretty scared. Like what happens if you're taking a shower and a spider crawls up the drain? I scream, bloody murder. And then what? <laughs> and then I, I wish I could say that I tried to save the animal, but I kill it. Yeah, put it in the drain. <laughs> nice. Maybe. So it, is it like a, so? It's a major fear. It's a pretty big fear. Like the other day, I was up here in the kitchen cooking, and a spider came down like on its string right next to me, and I screamed <laughs> so loud. And Aaron like was in the garage working, and he like came running in and thought something horrendous had happened, but it was just a spider nice. that was totally harmless. Yeah, that's. I understand that. Spiders, like, I I don't like snakes more. I don't like spiders. I still don't, like, love spiders. I'm not going to play with them. But my boyfriend doesn't let me kill them. He's not – we can't kill anything. So we have to, like, go to elaborate lengths. Because I'm, like, not going to go to sleep if there's, like, a spider on the ceiling above my head. Yeah, totally. So we've gone to, like, very elaborate lengths to save spiders. I try to do this, too. When I can muster up the courage to face my fear, which I like doing, I will try to save the spider's life. But oddly enough, I'm not afraid of, like, tarantulas. It's just, like, the tiny ones. That's why it's irrational. I've never been in touch with a tarantula. I've seen them on, like, the bike trails in Utah. And I'm like, oh, wow, look at it. And I can get super close. It's, like, furry and seems nicer. Yeah. Oh, I don't think I could do that. <laughs> well, I got you on that front. Yeah, I, I have an. I guess I have an irrational fear of, of snakes and even like little gardener snakes. Like we were hiking in Jackson the other day, and like a tiny little gardener snake like swiveled across, and I had this like special scream that I only do for like snakes, and I like mm-hmm. put my arms up in the air and like danced around like a crazy person, and yeah, everybody's laughing. At me. I love snakes. You like them? Mm-hmm. I hate them. I do. I always have. I used to take like the pet snake like home when I was in high school. Oh man. It's amazing. It's so weird how people are like snake people or spider people. Yeah. Like, and people that are scared of snakes tend to be okay with spiders and like vice versa. Yeah. I mean, I will run when I see a rattlesnake, which happens quite sure, often. Sure, but sure. Yeah. Those could like get you, but that's rational. Yeah, that's very rational, especially like mountain biking in Moab or wherever. Yeah. We don't have them up here though. Yeah. Well, we do at Lover's Leap. Leave, the climb. It's, it's so weird. slightly Lover's lower elevation. Leap. Yeah. I've seen them a lot there. I've seen a baby one that I had to like jump over. It was crazy. We saw a baby one in the desert last. Uh, spring and we were in a slot canyon with the dog oh and it was like cornered and angry Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. a sketch yeah um all right we're gonna play a game that we play on every podcast and it's called two highs and a low and so i want you to tell me two highs and one low of the last year of your life outside of the s word of course yeah totally um wow oh wow when it's outside of the s word i know it's hard I think one of my highs um, has been watching my boyfriend build his company and be really successful with it. That's been a high for sure. He started his own production company called Homestead Creative and watching him kind of learn the ropes and everything and drive uh, and put a lot of passion behind it was a high. That's awesome. I would say. Yeah. That's really cool. That would be a high. And then another high would probably have to be going to Peru with Emily Harrington and climbing my first big wall. Yeah, that was a that high. That looked insane. You know what? I have three highs. Okay. That's the it. other high <laughs> is definitely going to the desert. And I don't know if you've heard about formation. Um, yeah, we got all these women mountain bikers together, and it was the first time they got to ride the terrain. We basically resurrected some old rampage lines. Yeah. And being a part of something where you were solely there to support them yeah. was really special. Like and you weren't there to perform. You were there to be like— Totally. I was like taking photos. I brought my production team in there to film it, and it was like pure support mode. But I had so much energy, and it was so like— I don't know. It warmed my heart. Yeah. It was really cool to it be a part so of women's cool. progression. I view all of action sports as like all the same, like women's biking. 
skating, women's climbing, women's surfing. We're all in this together. And so, yeah, to help them out in that way was really special. I love it. And then a low. Huh. I think my low would just be, like, balancing life and work, I think, to be totally honest. Um, Like I said before, you put in – you get out what you put in, and I tend to go really, like, overboard with all these different projects and, like – Um, yeah, I can get a little overwhelming traveling and being on the road all the time and then having a ton of responsibility, especially being the producer and all that kind of stuff and seeing things through. It's just at times it gets to be a bit too much for sure. Not like taking care of yourself. Yeah. Like learning how to be better to myself at times. Yeah. Takes a lot to like step aside and be like, I have to do this one thing for me. Yeah, for sure. And I'm learning and it's been a fun process to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Nice. Good, good highs, many highs. Yeah. Um, okay, did you bring a story, a non-S-word story? Ooh, non-S-word story. Oh, my gosh. Can I was like- totally thinking about this yesterday because I was listening to your podcast, and I was like, <laughs> what are these good stories? McKenna had a good one. She bit off a salmon head. That's so pretty gross. impressive. I know. It's so <laughs> I was thinking. I was kind of, like, throwing up a little bit when she was telling me. I was, like, gagging. Was like, yeah, what? that's wild. Yeah. A non-skiing-related story. Wow, I don't know. Can you, like, prompt me on this? I mean, it could be, like, about doing another sport. It could be a trip. It could be something embarrassing or funny or crazy. Just can't have happened. Like, you can't say the S word. Yeah. Yeah. I think, like, again, just going back to that Peru trip with Emily, like... uh, Tell me a story about that. Yeah, Em just kind of... She's been my best friend for a really long time, and she pushes me at rock climbing, and I can push her in the mountains. And the last two years, or more like three or four, we kind of, like, have gone on one major adventure every year. Mm -hmm. And this year, she invited me to come to the Sphinx, which is the biggest wall in southern South America. It's the big wall destination down there. And I was like, okay, can I handle this? And I trained really hard. I climbed as much as I could, but I got there and was like, whoa, this thing is massive. You've never done a big wall before. Never done a big wall. It was 20 pitches. It was 510 DR, which means it was really run out, um, alpine style climb, super wandery. And Em and I went up and we like climbed the thing and it was totally successful, but I was like pushing myself. I was like, oh my gosh, am I going to be able to do this? How many, how many days did it take you? One day. Like we did it in a day push. Yeah. We got it to the top at sunset. It was absolutely stunning. We had a rope team above us that were filming. Uh um, And then Em and I did it on our own and she led like the crux pitch, but I got a 510 BR lead in, which was really exciting. And it was actually funny because I didn't know the rating before I started climbing this pitch, but um, she was like I think it looks pretty mellow you should just take it and I was like okay cool and then I got to the top and I was like whoo okay that was like pretty fun pretty wild hanging it out there it was like pretty run out and like there was some hard moves and then my buddy who was filming was like that was 510b and I was like oh that's like my hardest trad lead so far I've done one more 510b but it was a climb that I had climbed a million times in Tahoe um so that trip in itself was like really really special and cool to be there with him and to have accomplished that with her that's rad yeah sounds so cool it was fun sounds very unattainable (laughs) but it isn't if you like I think climbing's taught me that if you set goals like climbing's a very goal-oriented sport you want to climb this grade or you have this specific climb that you're projecting and in skiing I never really had that until I met Emily and I was like I want to set some skiing goals like I just don't set that kind of goal for myself in skiing it's very it's about freedom and like doing what I want but Denali became my first goal. And I was yeah. like, oh, I need to work super hard to be fit enough to do that. Right. And then it became like all these endurance mount, uh, racing, like uh, bike rides, road bikes yeah. specifically, and gravel rides, but like these 132-mile rides, and that became goals. And so setting goals became like this thing that Emily really taught me, and that was like, okay, this is a goal. It's attainable if I work hard. Right. And that's how it becomes attainable, I guess. Yeah. Okay. I you, like can it. It. you can do it. You can do it. I believe in you. 
I'm working. I'm working on climbing. I need to get some different shoes. I'm. I, it's hard for me to like get into an activity with uncomfortable shoes. Like this I do is, a lot of yeah. uncomfortable shoe stuff. I know. So I'm kind of like drawn to surfing. Yeah. But I mess my feet up in surfing too. So yeah. Totally. Know. Yeah. It's, it's catch twenty two. Well, um, I guess that's our time. We just chatted through We're almost perfectly on time. Oh, beautiful. I love it. Um, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank Where you for can people me. um follow you and stay in touch with you and and watch Originate and all that stuff? Yeah, Originate right now. You can watch it all on Red Bull TV. Um, we're currently uploading one episode per week to YouTube, but it's all there for your viewing pleasure on Red Bull TV. And then um Instagram is at Michelle Parker, M-Y-S-H-E-L-L Parker. Michelle was taken. That's not how I spell my name, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Michelle Parker. And then I'm on Facebook and Twitter as well. Yeah. Awesome. And so originally is going to have non S word episodes too. Yeah. So yeah. we have that climbing episode yeah. and a biking and episode, biking which episode. is all about formation and yeah. those girls. Yeah. That's rad. Yeah. That's awesome. Did you, you were with Michaela Gatto, right? Yeah. I love her. Oh my gosh. Okay. Everybody out there needs to watch, if you haven't seen already, Ferda Girls, like yes. Ferda, F-E-R-D-A Girls. Um, she spoofs the Kendrick Lamar music video, Be Humble. Um, and it's like my favorite thing that's ever been on the internet. It's so, so good. Yeah. And she is amazing. I think I might have even talked about it on the podcast before. So Yeah, watch that. Repeat Ferda it. Girls. <laughs> okay. um, well, yeah, thank you so much for being here. This was very nice. And thank you guys, all you listeners out there for listening. This wraps up season three. I can't believe it. But yeah, thank you guys for hanging out with us. And we will be working on season four shortly. So stay tuned for that. Um, in the meantime, I hope you're out there enjoying winter, um, doing a lot of the S word, maybe eating some cookies too. You don't know. Mm-hmm. And, they go um, good together. Yeah, if you want to follow me, I'm at Amy Ski, A-M-I-E Ski, and uh, we'll catch you next season on Long Underwear. Okay, bye. (laughs) This podcast was brought to you by Warren Miller Entertainment. Don't miss Timeless, presented by Volkswagen, premiering this fall. Travel the globe with athletes like myself, Amy Ingerbretson, as well as legends like Glenn Plake, Kate Zeliff, Marcus Kasten, Ian Morrison, Baker Boyd, and more. All moviegoers will receive access to discounted lift tickets, gear, and swag. Go to warrenmiller.com for more. Long Underwear was produced by me, Amy Ingerbretson, as well as Jesse Hackett and Jessica McGee from the Warren Miller Entertainment team. Follow Warren Miller ENT on social media to keep the good times rolling. What's going on, everyone? Hallie O'Brien here, host of the Emmy Award-winning Snow Report show presented by Ski Magazine. If you enjoyed this podcast, then you're going to love the Snow Report. We talk skiing, snowboarding, weather, gear, beer, and every episode is a guaranteed good time. Catch new shows on Tuesdays at SkiMag.com.